some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. this graphic out of the way so you can see my ugly face there it is <laughs> welcome to another episode of gtf gabriel talks football again my name is aldo gandia thank you everyone in the chat room for uh, birthday wishes i do hit 65 today I can, i'll talk to greg about what it's like to uh finally get some medicare uh, supplements and all that stuff uh but i just want to begin by letting you know that last night uh, dan and i did what i thought was a really good bear their soul show so if you got a couple of hours to listen to that during the week uh please do so we got some great comedy bits that uh got uh some really good comments in the chat about and then tonight buffon 55 we've got an episode that i'm going to be very very proud of when it's done because the planning going into it and the uh, pre-production going into it has been extensive and so i hope you will tune into that along with mac and reed at 6 p.m centros uh bar down hockey somewhere it's, in between all of our programming for today. But let's bring in the man of the hour, Greg Gabriel. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, and hopefully I don't cough today. Yeah, well, we're starting a little earlier. That should help you. Uh, everyone yep. that is saying that you need to get one of those air purifiers. Mine costs 400 bucks, and it's a really yeah, well, good fuck one. Yeah, I'm not I wanted, I wanted to have a clean show today, and I already started off on the first <laughs> sentence of the day. <laughs> no clean shows allowed here. <laughs> um, by the way, I hit 65. When you hit 65, did you immediately apply for Medicare, or did you You have to. It? So Actually, I did it um, probably a month or two before or something, just to mm -hmm. get the paperwork started. Yeah, well, oh, I think shit. you're you're required to by law sign up for Medicare at 65, and then uh, now my wife is. I was on the Bears insurance until I turned 65, but uh -huh. they at that time they made it may have changed since they may have a different carrier, but at that time, I had to come off as soon as I turned 65 and and go on to Medicare, even though I wasn't working there. But it's because of my years of service in the league. And how many years I worked for them that I was eligible to say on. But my wife is still on their insurance program. And she's on until she hit 65. Okay. So, uh, which is, uh, you know, almost two years, about a year and three quarters away. Uh, and for the coverage you get, it's really cheap. It costs me like 170 bucks a month for yeah. her to be on that insurance. And it's really you know, that's a thank God right there. Mm. Look at that. Well, I'm um, getting all, all sorts of great Medicare advice in the chat room, too. I'll make sure uh, to uh, look at all that later. Oliver says, happy birthday, Virgo brother. Yes, I'm a Virgo virgin. I don't know what that means, uh, but I tell you You're what. You're a virgin? Well, I, I lost my virginity when I was 16, but that's another story for another show. <laughs> 
Uh, Greg, I want to start off by talking about the Bears-Packers rivalry. One of the greatest moments in the rivalry was when Lovey Smith was hired and he said our number one goal is to beat the Packers. That really galvanized the Chicago Bears fan base. Tell me what your experiences at Hallis Hall and what the Chicago Bears organization has been like regarding that rivalry versus the Chicago uh, Green Bay Packers. You know, it, it's different. And I, my first year here, I don't think I totally got it. You know, I came from New York and we didn't have a specific chief rival. Anybody in the NFC East was a rival. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia, Washington, Dallas. Um, so, I, you know, I, I've known about the – grew up knowing about the Bears-Packers rivalry. But I – so my first year was 2001. I don't think I got it that first year. Okay. You know, the intensity of it. Now, Lovey came in 04. But let me tell you, you learn quick, though. Because the atmosphere in the office, starting at the very top, and I'm talking ownership, changes mm -hmm. completely. And back then, Ed McCaskey was in the office every day. And, uh, and, and Michael was there a lot as, as the CEO. But, you know, the game meant a lot to Ed McCaskey, all the McCaskey kids. And so you just... There was just a different aura in the building, an intensity and a tenseness. You know, you just didn't want to fail. And when you did fail, you didn't think you were just letting yourself down. You were letting ownership down and the community down. Yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, it's unique. I, 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 I think the players, you know, like when I was first here and a rookie in Chicago, it it took me, you know, a year to really figure it out. Uh, I think that's probably the same with some of the players. Mm -hmm. But once they're a part of it, and now you get, like I see Jerry Azuma, uh, you know, had a tweet today, and Jerry hadn't played for a while. And, you know, he had, he had a tweet out, uh, puck the fact. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and Olin will put out stuff, and other guys, uh, Jason McKee, and stuff. They'll always, you know, they'll put out little things because they know how important it is, and they played in it. Yeah. And I tell yeah. you, you know, the whole time I was here, I always went up to Green Bay for that game. Mm. Uh, and that experience at Lambeau Field, I really uh, encourage all Chicago Bears fans to go up to Lambeau Field and watch a game. I think it's a, something you should put on your bucket list. I've gone three times, uh, once to see the Packers and Raiders and twice Bears and Packers. And I just love the atmosphere there. And it was treated well oh, by fans. Yes, fans were great. You know, I'd, I'd take my wife. Sometimes I took my <clears throat> steps on. I was always in the press box. You know, mm -hmm. I got tickets for them. But one time I went up, and it was during the lovey years. So, you know, the team buses up to Green Bay for that game. Now, I don't know if they're going to do that with Flus, but they did it with Lovey and they did it with Dick Duran and stuff, and then you fly back. Right. Because it's only, you know, from Hallis Hall uh, to where they stay, and they don't stay in uh, Green Bay. They stay in that one town just southwest of 
Green Bay, whatever the hell the name, Appleton, I think. Appleton. Uh, it's Dan Appleton. And, um, you know, it's a two and a half hour bus ride and they go up there and then but they immediately fly back. But anyway, so we went up Sunday morning. It was myself, Bobby DePaul, Cliff Stein and Ted Phillips. And, you know, we left, we met at Hallisall, left probably at seven. And um, as soon as we cross the state line, now I'm mm -hmm. only 10, 11, or my house is, I'm only 10 or 11 miles from the Wisconsin right. border. But so it's another 12 miles south <laughs> to Hallisall or 11 miles. But anyway, as soon as we cross into the Wisconsin border, Bobby was driving. He hadn't gone two miles. And the, the cop car with the lights were flashing. Escorting. Oh, and they were just waiting for people from Illinois to cross that line. Oh. You know, because the, at that, that time, the speed limit in Wisconsin was 65. It's 70 mm -hmm. now. And if you had Illinois plates, they'd pull you over at 66. Or wow. 67. And, and you know, so it was just <laughs> to put a crazy. spoiler on the day. I don't remember if we won the game. Uh, but uh, in fact, if you can look up one game, mm -hmm. look up, we opened the season 2006 in Green Bay. Okay. And Devin, it was um, 26 to nothing. We won or lost. We won. Bears, Bears won, yeah. Yeah, I thought so, because De uh, Devin had a return in the first game right? For a touchdown. Exactly. But so I was thinking that, uh, you know, Roshan Johnson switched his number yesterday from mm -hmm. 30 to 23. And I'm thinking, well, and right away I thought of that game with, with Devin and we're number 23. And I thought, you know what? Maybe there's going to be a little luck to that number 23 number, and, and he might do something in this first game against Green Bay. Yeah, amazing. That This this is the game. I got some clips of it uh, found on YouTube. Uh, Rex Grossman at the quarterback. Look at that arm. You guys Rex, must Rex have, had a – that, that might have been game. one of his best games ever. That's Bernard Berrien. Yeah. Jeez. So beautiful. Gosh, it was so uh, – you know, this team – when you saw Rex Grossman throw a pass like that, you just had to believe he was going to be an outstanding superstar quarterback. What happened to Rex? He shattered his ankle and lost all mobility. Mm -hmm. And he didn't just shatter his ankle, although he had 14 breaks. Wow. And so when, and I, I might've said this before, but I know I've said it to other people and there's people say, Oh, you know, it was a bad pick and all that bullshit. You know, they don't know what happened to the guy. And do you remember the, the racehorse, Barbaro? Yes. Okay, well, Barbaro broke down on the back stretch of some race. And usually when a horse breaks their ankle in their ankle area, they, they euthanize the horse. But in this case, they didn't with Barbaro. Uh, he had surgery. And I remember they showed x-rays after the surgery. And he had like, 14, 15, 16 screws going through that lower part of his leg and wow. hoof and everything else. And I said, that's just like Rex's ankle looks like. Oh, you know, goodness. after seeing it, really, that's what it looked like. And he lost, he wasn't a big guy. He was, you know, 
he he measured six one at the combine, but I think he was up a little bit, mm-hmm. and because uh, they wanted to measure him at his pro day, he says, "No, I six one. I'm staying there." And <laughs> you know, he he's probably six foot a half inch, mm-hmm. and he had shorter arms. Arms don't arm length on quarterbacks isn't a isn't a big deal. So he had to rely on his mobility to, and he had very very quick feet. And so what he could do was slide in the pocket to find that open area. And his, his release was jet quick mm-hmm. and, you know, get the ball off. Well, when he shattered his ankle, that lateral mobility went out the window. Uh-huh. And he was never the same quarterback. What was his footwork good? You said he had quick feet, but was his footwork overall yes, good? Yeah, but he just had, where, you know, he was never going to run a fast 40. Right. But he had very quick feet mm-hmm. and, and could move quick in a short area mm-hmm. and slide quick, lateral agility available to or ability to change direction, come back the other way. You know, just a, a pocket presence that was very, very good. But when he lost that, it was all over, you know, and, and uh, I think he lost a lot of confidence in his game. Yeah. Um, you talked about it being it taking you a year to fully realize that rivalry between the Bears and the Packers. And Jaquan Brisker uh, has you know, said that he's dying to play on Sunday as he's recovering from his undisclosed injury. And he said, it's Bears-Packer week, I can't wait, and so forth. Do you think, and, and I know you're not at Hallis Hall, but you, you perhaps have a sense of this. Do you think that Matt Eberflus and this current Chicago Bears regime have done a good job of instilling into the players the importance of this game for uh, Bears fans? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we're not there to listen to what he says to, but yeah, I mean, because he's going to get it from the top, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. as is Ryan Poles. And, you know, once, and, and I think George probably would be, meaning George McCaskey would probably be very forthright and communicate the meaning of the game very well to those people. And, and so, um, but, you know, the media picks up on the intensity of, and not just local media, national media, right. on the intensity of the rivalry in the, you know, it's the oldest rivalry in the National Football League. So I think, you know, you get it your first time through, meaning the first game, you might not get it as much, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you're going to get it. And, and, and like guys with Jaquan Brisker and stuff, you know, they didn't beat him last year. Yeah. And so, and you had the Aaron Rodgers asshole comment of, I own you. Um, and I wish that some bitch was playing. To- Me too. Just, just so they could own his ass. But yes. anyway, it, it's I, I think now you know they got it they're there they know how important it is for everybody and on top of that being that it's the opening game it it makes it that much more impressive uh you know last year whoever thought they were going to beat san francisco in the opener and they did i don't give a damn what the damn weather was they won the game exactly 
They won it on grit and uh, never fighting, even though, you know, through three quarters, uh, it looked like the Bears didn't have a chance, but they kept fighting and they pulled that out that win. And it was a momentous moment for Justin Fields when he slid into the end zone at the. Uh, well, at they the all did. They're all being 10 year olds instead of 22 year olds. <laughs> that was really cool. All right. I'd like to take a look at the depth charts that were released yesterday for each team. Let's start with the Chicago Bears and the offense here. Uh, we've got uh, – I don't, I don't think there's any surprises here, but let's talk about the offensive line. Uh, they've got Larry Borum as the swing tackle at left and right tackle. Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick and Nate Davis now are expected to start in the middle. Whitehair at left guard, Patrick at center, Nate Davis, and the rookie Darnell Wright, Matt Eberflew said in Monday's press conference, he is ready to go and has been ready to go for a little bit of time here. What are your thoughts on this offensive line? Dan Feeney, newly acquired, is the backup center, and Jay Tyreek Carter is the swing left guard. Any concerns here? Well, first of all, as we said during the preseason, I don't put a lot of stock into what they put put in those depth charts. Mm-hmm. The real yes. depth chart's going to play out on Sunday. Yeah. And the meaning of that, like like Nathan Peterman is listed as number two. Mm-hmm. Well, is he number two? You know when we're going to find that out? About an hour before the game. Okay. You know, because then they got a list who is number two and who's number three because number three is an emergency quarterback. Right. And, and so um, – you're going to find that out as far as uh, the left guard, Dan Feeney's the backup left guard, not Carter. Feeney is, is about, you know, most of his experience is at left guard and center. Yeah. That so, makes sense. Yeah. So I, you know, I would think that Feeney's going to go in there first before Carter. Carter's going to go in first at right guard. That's mm-hmm. replayed all in, in the preseason. Um you know, we haven't seen Patrick play all preseason. I, I said this be the thousandth time that I've said it. Uh, you know, I love the way he played in 21 when he was with Green Bay. And mm-hmm. he's playing against Green Bay, so you know he's going to want to have a big game. So, you know, it's a coming home for him. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting, you know. <laughs> From the fans' uh, point of view, they don't know what Patrick is. They don't know what Davis is. Um, I'm not worried about Cody White here at left guard, but I think when Tevin's back, uh, Cody will move back to center, unless Cody's playing unbelievable left guard, and Tevin will be inserted back at the left guard uh, mm-hmm. position. So, But that's four weeks from now. He's Tevin's got to miss four weeks. As far as the rest of this, I don't know if Bayless is really number two behind DJ. Um, you know, my, and, guess, and, my guess, Greg, is that they're going to have a package of plays for him, which is maybe why we uh, might see yeah, him. Out there. I'll be honest. I'm not 100% sure he's going to dress. Really? Because, well, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'm, I'm guessing. I admit that. Sure, sure. And, and because I don't see him dressing. How many receivers I got? Seven? Six? Uh, one, you two, know, three, four. Four, five, five. No, they got more than that. We got more Jones, Taylor, uh, Claypool. Oh, seven. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Seven. So they're, they're going to dress five, maybe six. Mm-hmm. And Trent mm-hmm. Taylor's going to dress because he's doing the punts. So are you going to dress two guys that are there strictly for special teams? 
Mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying on that? Absol- absolutely. You know, absolutely. and and because if you do, if you dress seven receivers, you're cutting yourself short somewhere else. Yeah. And I I just can't see that right now. Well, that would make sense. Uh, we shall see. What do, what do you think about the running back situation? Herbert Foreman, Rashawn Johnson, Travis Homer is listed as the fourth running back. And again, as you said, that this doesn't really matter. But I, I keep looking at these four running backs and thinking this is one of the strongest overall running back rooms uh, in uh, recent Bears memory. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And how they come up, I, I, I don't think the depth chart really matters as to how they're going to play. You know, is Foreman going to be the second guy in or is Roshan going to be the second guy in? Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll find that out on Sunday. And I think part of it will have to do with down and distance. Right. You know, because they're going to want to utilize certain players in certain down and distance situations. Mm-hmm. You expect Lewis to get a lot of playing time, given that the Bears might be running the ball heavily? Um, Mercedes Lewis, you know, that's a good question. I think if, if they want to go into a lot of 12 personnel and 12 personnel using two Y's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, yeah, he'll get extensive play time. Uh, but you can do that. I mean, when you got commit at him in the game, you can use, commit as a a move guy Mm -hmm. but i think all three are going to play yeah it's um the the big question regarding this team and it really is for the defense too as we turn this page our page over to the defense is there are going to be at today's practice there are going to be a bunch of guys lining up for the first First time they're going to say, oh, okay, you're playing this position. <laughs> oh, I'm playing this position because they just haven't had the opportunity to play much together at practice. Like, for instance, Demarcus Walker, Justin Jones, Andrew Billings, Yannick Ndakwe. Those are the, your four starting defensive linemen, and they probably have not seen many snaps, the four of them together in practice. Well, yeah, you're right. Um, in, in OTAs, Walker Jones and Billings all work together. Okay. Um, but not in Gakwe because he's only been around for three and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting. I remember, you know, going back a month or so ago, right at the beginning of camp, I thought they might pair Jones, Justin Jones with one of the rookies and Billings with the other rookie instead of going two vets, two rookies. Mm-hmm. But all through preseason, that's how they played it. Two vets, two rookies. So it'll be interesting to see how they interchange them because you know there's going to be a rotation. Right. I expect eight defensive linemen to be active. Mm-hmm. And all eight are going to play. You know, it, it's, you know, what's the percentage? We'll find out. I think part of it you're gonna, is going to be who's got the hot hand. Right. in each particular position of who plays the majority of snaps. But I don't think anybody's going to play more than, say, 60%. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing here is can this group of 
the front seven stop that Packer run game. And in the chat room has been buzzing about that. Stop the run, stop the run. It almost sounds like uh, good old Doug Buffon talking about the three keys to to winning, you know, uh, run the ball and stop the run. I, I forget the third key. But uh, what, what's your level of confidence that this Bears linebacker and defensive line crew can withstand the Packers' rushing attack? Well, the main reason they got Demarcus Walker and Andrew Billings was run defense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're both very good run defenders. And so uh, – you know, when you look at, at the group they had last year, and, and Justin Jones was almost on an island by himself because the group, uh, you know, across the line just wasn't very good. Uh, Rob, D. Rob was was a rookie and and fighting his through way through you know rookie hardships and trying to figure it all out because it was only his third year playing uh, on defense. So. I, I think overall, it's a lot better group. The depth is a lot better. And then when you throw in uh, TJ and Tremaine, that makes it even stronger. Yeah. So um, is Green Bay going to get some good runs? Probably. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And with Love at quarterback, they may rely more on their run or try to rely more on the running game. Uh, running game than they would if Aaron Rodgers was playing quarterback. Does it surprise you uh, that uh, Quindell Johnson is probably going to suit up and be the backup uh, to Jaquan Brisker, who has not played, Brisker has not played and is not a definite go for Sunday, although it's trending that way. But to have well, I think him- he's a definite go. I think okay. they've been, in all honesty, I think they've been playing games with some of this stuff. Yeah. Okay. I mean, really, I, 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 they do all the walkthroughs. They might even do some stuff when the media is not allowed to watch. Media is only allowed to watch what the first five periods or something like that. Right. Um, you know, yesterday Brisker had a tweet and I don't know if you saw it, but it was three arrows going like this. So, you know, meaning arrow, arrow going up. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not worried about that. The guys, sometimes you put too much emphasis on what they did in practice. Mm-hmm. Forget it. He's not a rookie anymore. Started a lot of games last year, got a lot of play time. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's had practice during preseason. He's had practice in OTAs. You know, it's like riding a bike. And get back in there and just, you know, could you blow assignment? Yeah, you could. But is it likely? Who who the hell knows? Swifty from the Swift Sports Network, a must follow on social media and YouTube, says that Hicks played free safety and strong safety all throughout camp. So the the thought of Quindell Johnson actually getting some snaps at the safety position Sunday are probably only if there's a dire situation with injuries. Well, you know. It, it depends on the scheme they're playing with the Rams, mm-hmm. what the DBs and, and, and in particular the safeties were being asked to do, the terminology, those types of things where, you know, some people that can make that 
transition. And it's a lot easier to bring in a guy from the outside on defense than it is on offense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it, again, it dep- but it depends on the position. And is there anything similar with what the Rams are doing and what the Bears are doing as far as terminology and how they ask their safeties to play? And if there's a big difference, then you're going to see uh, Johnson on, on special teams and probably not at all or maybe not at all in, you know, regular down and distance uh, type situations. Mm. All right. Let's take a look at the Packers depth chart. Uh, the offense, of course, is led by new quarterback. Jordan Love, and they've got a rookie at as his backup, Sean Clifford. They don't even have a third uh, quarterback listed on their chart here at all. So got to ask you, I know it's a big secret. <laughs> Nobody knows. I, I, I listened to Ryan Wood on one of the Chicago sports radio shows yesterday, Parkins and Spiegel at 670, and, and Wood covers the Packers every day, and he was asked, is Jordan Love for real? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> and so even the Packers media and Packers fans don't know what they have in Jordan Love. I know you scouted him. Oh, what, do you, what can you tell us about Jordan Love, and what kind of expectations do you have for his first season? I mean, that was – you know, four or five years ago that I watched him coming out of college. And I'll be honest, I didn't think he was a first round pick, Um, but he was. So, you know, he's going down in history as a first rounder. Uh, I don't think he's played enough. I mean, he hasn't played anywhere near as much as, as Justin has played, even though he's been in the league a year longer. Uh, He's got a very, inexperienced group of receivers. Christian Watson, the first half of last year, stunk. It was an uh, Aaron Rodgers outhouse because he couldn't catch a cold winter. But then he came on in the second half of the season. He looked great. He looked like the player they thought he would be. Uh, Dubs, I, you know, I love Dubs coming off. I thought he was a steal getting, uh, getting him in. The, I think they got him in the fifth round. You know, he was yes. – uh, uh, at Nevada, this guy made some plays now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a pure X receiver. Um, Jaden Reed, I liked, you know, this past year. He's more of a slot guy for me, and he mm-hmm. can return kicks. And he's a pretty good return guy. He's a local kid. He's, you mm-hmm. know, a Chicago kid. And uh, he can run, you know. So all three of those guys can run. And, and so their, their speed – is pretty close to what the bears have, Mm -hmm. you know, speed wise. So, uh, in their backup group, I don't know, Heath, I really like Dontavian Wicks. Now Dontavian Wicks did not run anywhere near as good as I thought he would, but you watch him play. He ran like four, six, something, but when you watch him play, it's where he's a four five Oh guy. Okay. And then, uh, the other guy who's back on a breed, I, I don't know much about him, but now they're tight. The guy who's scary is Luke Musgrave. Now he had some injury situations in college, but this is a very, very athletic tight end. He probably, you know, can't knock a drunk off a bar school as a blocker, <laughs> but you know, I changed my wording on that. But, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, he's a legitimate sub four or five guy. 
And he's going to be a matchup problem for, for Brisker. It's going to yeah. be like covering a wide receiver, a big wide receiver. So, you know, he's going to be a guy they're going to probably try to go to a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the youth and the wide receiver and tight end uh, rooms for this team is really quite eyebrow raising because, you know, you got Christian Watson and Dubs uh, both are in their second year. And then you're really looking at rookies. You're right. looking at Heath, Wicks, Musgrave, Tucker Craft, uh, Ben Sims, the uh, third or fourth tight end on this team. All of these guys are rookies. They, it, they can't. It's impossible for them to come out firing offensively in the pass game, uh, like like an Aaron Rodgers type team. To <laughs> please tell me it's impossible. <laughs> oh, I, no, I don't think you're going to see anywhere close to a game plan that you had with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you, you know, you're dealing with a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame five years after he says I'm yeah. done. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> they got to develop love and and we gotta you know we'll see how that that happens mm-hmm. i mean everybody here is hoping that they can't strike it rich three times in a row if you're a betting man you'd say there's no possible way that's going to happen but you know you know it's an unknown <clears throat> we just don't know what's going to happen yeah you're I'd, wondering- I'd, what i do i'd pressure the shit out of myself but well, and, and but that's the thing is then you're susceptible to that screen pass, which the Packers have normally, you know, spend a lot of time on. They run it to precision, much like the Bears did this preseason. So that's going to yep. be interesting. And we know how uh, the Bears love to try to get a rush out of that four-man rush. One of the things that I heard that was interesting, uh, Greg, about uh, this uh, uh, Matt LaFleur's offense is that we are finally going to get to see the offense because Aaron Rodgers basically took over the offense. He, he discarded stuff that LaFleur wanted to run, but that Aaron Rodgers didn't particularly care for. We're going to see much more of a sustained rushing attack, which is something that LaFleur yeah. likes to do a lot. So the Bears could be going into this game facing an offense that they're really not familiar with. Well, exactly how the plays are going to be called, they're not going to be familiar with. Okay. They're familiar with the offense because it's their offense. Okay. Same terminology, playbooks, probably pretty much the same. Um, but it's how you call the plays mm-hmm. and what plays you, you put in. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you look at preseason – and the Bears very rarely were in their sub package and were playing a lot of base 4 3. Mm-hmm. Well, come Sunday, if, if we see that base 4 3 10 downs, it'll be a lot. Yeah. You know, it's going to be 4 2 5. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everything you saw in preseasons off the table, you're not going to, and, and offense too. You saw very generic vanilla type things in, in preseason with both teams, with Green Bay also. And you know, now you're gonna see real football. Okay, good. Real football is what I want to see. The one uh-huh. advantage, let me say this: the one advantage that I think helps well probably helps both teams mm-hmm. is Getsy knows LaFleur. He worked for LaFleur. He knows what LaFleur likes to do and wants to do 
and what he couldn't do with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, so that could be a benefit going into this game for the Bears. Mm-hmm. At least be prepared for this because, you know, when you have your offensive meetings, you're talking about this and you're going to, you know, they're going to say, I'd really like to do this, but, you know, Aaron doesn't want to do it, so we're not going to do it. So, but Getsy's aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, let's take a look at their defensive depth chart. Uh, Kenny Clark, TJ Slatton, uh, Devontae Wyatt, uh, the three. They play a 3-4 defense with Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary on the outside and Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker on the inside. Jerry Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Darnell Savage, and Rudy Ford are their back four. There are There's a lot of talent on this Packers defense. What I keep hearing is that this talent has never been molded into a unit. They have disappointed tremendously. Your thoughts on this Packer team? Well, there's truth to that statement. Mm-hmm. And even last year, the single pieces are pretty damn good. The group as a whole, I think Devontae Wyatt was probably, you know, as a rookie last year, might have been a little bit of a disappointment, but you know, given the benefit of the doubt, he was a rookie. But as a group, I don't think they played as good as the individual parts, as mm-hmm. individual players. And so they got to come together better. And if they do, it could be a formidable group to go against. Look at Rashawn Gary, whatever side he's rushing from, he's going to give either tackle a hard time. And if, he, if they put him on the Packers' left side, so he's over our rookie tackle. He's going to have a tough baptism into the National Football League. Yeah. Um, Lucas Van Ness, backup outside linebacker. You weren't too big of a fan of him coming into the draft, right? Well, not not as a down guy, and not. I thought he might be a. I you know I was thinking, and I had a conversation with. Um, uh, Ryan Poles about this, you know, probably a month before the draft. You know, I said, do you think he could be a three technique? And and because that's what I was looking at him as. Mm-hmm. Put, put some weight on him uh, and be a three technique. He's got a great motor. Mm-hmm. Ryan pointed out something to me that I didn't notice on tape. And then I went back and I looked at a couple of games and I sent him a, a text. And I said, yeah, you're right. He's you know, you want your linemen when they're in their stance and stuff and, and coming out of their stance to be a little bit flat-footed mm-hmm. where he's up on his toes. Mm-hmm. And it's a tiny little thing, but it, it it has a direct correlation to do with balance. Okay. Now, he's got a he, – he, he never was a real starter at Iowa, and he still had – you know, he still had two years of eligibility left, and he came out – what he had was a great motor mm-hmm. and damn good overall athleticism. Um, now you're putting him in a position that he's never played until, you know, OTAs. And that's as a stand up outside linebacker where he's got to drop into coverage at times and rush the passer. I'll be honest, I don't know what to expect from him. Yeah, it's because because be- it, it's because it's new. It's going to be new, yeah. and I don't think you know. 
I didn't dislike, let me put it this way. I didn't dislike Van Ness. Mm -hmm. I didn't think he was as good as the hype. Meaning, you know, there are people talking about him as a top 10, 12, top, top 12 pick. And I said, no. You know, I thought at best he was in the first type okay. of guy. And, and because of, of, you know, <coughs> excuse me, little things. Right, right. Well, uh, another interesting young guy uh, that was drafted and should get a lot of playing time. He's the backup at nose tackle and defensive end. Carl Brooks, a six-round draft pick out of Bowling Green. A lot of uh, Packer watchers are saying this guy could be, for them, the steal of the draft. Um, what did you see of Carl Brooks when you were scouting him? And uh, do you think that he could live up to some of this Packer fan hype that we've been seeing on social media. I don't, I don't think he deserves that. He got drafted in the sixth round for a reason. Mm -hmm. It means that means 31 other teams passed him a number of times. Right. Uh, you know, played in the Mac, good player in the Mac. I didn't see special. In other words, what I try to do, I look at, at players coming from the Mac. And there, there are some players that come from the Mac that turn out to be great players. Kolo Mac being one of them. Mm -hmm. But Khalil Mack, if you go back and you look at his very first game in his last year at the University of Buffalo, they played at Ohio State. And he goes against Decker, the big tackle who plays for the Lions, who was a first-round pick. He ate him up in the one-on-one. Mm -hmm. -on -one. He had two and a half sacks in the opening game against Decker. So you saw him do it against big-time competition. You didn't see that from Rooks. He's got a good motor. He played outside, and he's an inside guy. So he is athletic. Is he special? I got to see it first. I, di I didn't see special. I saw a day three guy that had some tools to work with and develop. It's how quickly are, is he going to develop. Yeah. And, and we could say that about so many players on this roster for the Green Bay Packers. I, again, you know, I, I just – don't see them as a playoff contender. It would be a minor miracle, I think, if they really are in the playoff race in December. But we will see. Let's take a quick look at the special teams for both teams. The Packers, uh, excuse me, the Bears uh, depth chart. I think we already looked at that one. Let's look at the Packers. Uh, let's see here. Daniel Whalen is the New punter. Uh, yeah, that's right. New punter and a new field goal kicker. Right. Uh, so, uh, again, I don't know anything about these guys. You, you, Neither do I. Is, is Anders Carlson played in the league? I don't even know who he is. I don't know. Let's do a quick Google search of Anders Carlson. I bet you somebody in the chat is already on that. Uh, Anders Carlson. And I know one thing. The first time you come to Soldier Field and kick, it's a bitch. Yeah, he's a rookie. Okay, <laughs> he's another rookie on this team. I, I wouldn't want to let the game lie on him. Yeah, I, I, now if it was Green Bay, different story. But uh -huh. The way the wind is in Soldier Field, you got to learn how to kick at Soldier Field now. Mm -hmm. And that's your first time in there, so he could be in for a, a rude awakening, you know. And I, I learned that from Robbie. I mean, and and Robbie used to go down there all, down to Soldier during the week all the time when he was here because he just wanted to really know exactly how to handle the wind. And he went down there, you know, different types of weather situations. Right. So, he, so he could know exactly what to do uh, when it, if he had similar conditions in the game. 
So I'm like Cody Parkey. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you know, it's the the wind maybe you know coming out of the west, mm-hmm. but in there it swirls. Yes, indeed. and so you it what you think is the wind isn't really the wind. And it just, it affects the, the flight of the ball. And when it's new to you, it mm-hmm. can screw you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to be really nice and not not swear. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Does your wife see the last show or something? <laughs> no, she never watches it. <laughs> My wife never watches either, which is probably a good thing. No, she uh, knows she'll come home and she go, did you wear that? <laughs> Does your wife does your wife lay out your clothes for you, uh, Greg? Are you kidding me? <laughs> she probably want to, but I, I wouldn't let her. I mean that that's her work. She's in fashion, yeah, fashion right. and design. So, uh huh. Yeah, when I went to your house, your house is incredible. It's beautifully designed and decorated. Really sensational. Um, all right, let us talk now about. Let's get a couple of questions in here that I've been sitting on. Um, let's see, Wieselman, our uh, new fan from Wisconsin, who's a Bears fan. Who would you get the young guys on the team, the meaning of the ri- rivalry? Who who you think are the young guys to get the meaning of the rivalry? Bring in some, re- do you bring in some retired Bears in for a speech? So in, in other words, I think what Wiesel is, is, is trying to get to here, and uh, in order to really instill the meaning of this rivalry between the Bears and the Packers, would you bring in a retired Bears guy for a speech? And if so, who would it be? How would you go about it? Well, you know, it might not be a bad idea, but is, is that something Flus is going to do in the course of a game week? Like he, he brings in guys during camp and during OTAs. He's brought in Peanut and some other people who – talk to the players whether or not he's going to do it this week that remains to be seen Mm -hmm. um you know when you look at the roster there's not a lot of guys on this roster jalen johnson's one white hair's another but there's not a lot of guys who've been around on the roster that really understand the severity of, of the rivalry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, Moody should, I mean, this is Moody's third year. He should know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's, there'll be people in the building that'll, that'll let them know. Trust me. Oh yeah. And, and, and you got Tony Medlin down in the equipment room and the training staff and, you know, Tony Medlin, he's been here since, uh, you know, the beginning of time. Uh-huh. So, uh, uh, you know, so it, it's there's enough people around to convey the importance to the players. Whether it, it you know, would you want to bring in an Olin or a um, or a Tillman or somebody like that? You know, it, it's a good thought. But does does Flus want to change up his game day or game week routine? Yeah, that's the question. Then you know what? Well, if if he does it, we'll know about it. Right. It's something that should have been planned well ahead. You know, I I was and it might have, Aldo. It it might have. We just don't know. 
Right. I personally, I would love to, them to just put together a five minute movie on the, that great rivalry and, you know, get through some of the historical aspects of it, but also incorporate fans, you know, because this rivalry is really a, a big part of it. It's just the disdain Packer fans have for Chicago, the city of Chicago, the big city of Chicago and Bears fans have towards the entitled attitude that Packer fans have, the nerve to call themselves title town, the nerve that, you know, they, they think they, 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 they're big shit because it's called the Lombardi trophy and so forth. It, there's really a, a lot of uh, animosity between the two fan groups. And that needs to be, although as soon as the players walk into the stadium, they hear it from the fans. They hear it. They 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 start to get how oh wow this is a life a little bit different than when we're playing you know Cincinnati Bengals that's for sure. Well, you know, I'll tell you. And you mentioned it earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, I I've been up to Green Bay probably, you know, with the Bears, ten times, nine times, and I've been outside in in lots for a while before the game, before I'd go in to watch warmups and stuff with my family would stay out, but their fan base at the games is lovely. Mm -hmm. Classy people, mm -hmm. at least anybody I've had a connection with sure, or interacted with is probably the better word. Their fan base on X, formerly known as Twitter, flaming assholes. <laughs> um, I tweeted out yesterday. Let me see if I can find it. It's got a, it, it got a lot of play. By the way, has anything come over? Did they uh, sign Terrell Lewis to the practice squad today? They got an open spot. Didn't Lewis sign somewhere else? Nope, not that I know of. Okay, let me uh, let me look that up. Terrell Lewis. So we do a little bit of research here on the during the show. <laughs> okay, here it is. I go, Bears fans. Dot 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 dot. Just ignore the cheesehead trolls who have been attacking so much in recent weeks. After Sunday, give them hell. I so, saw that, yes. <laughs> you know. And who was it? I think it was Illwill said, You should see my timeline. And I said, well, that's because you talk too much on there. I don't. I he, I don't, he likes. I don't smile. say a word. I don't say yeah. a word, and nobody, nothing comes back to me. But I've taken screenshots of some people. Yeah. You know that I'm just waiting. Yeah. I, it's supposed to be the end of the show, but they're going to Bears are going to win this game. Yeah. I prefer to do the talking after the game. That's uh, right. I do have high expectations for the Bears to win this game. But at the same time, you just don't know because there's no evidence of the group playing together during practice or preseason. And even though it would have been vanilla, I just would have liked to have seen for myself. But hopefully come Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m. Central, everybody will be locked and loaded. Well, to go play back some to football. five years ago. How much practice did Khalil Mack have before that Green Bay game? Uh, about uh, zero. <laughs> yes. uh, he, had two, he had two days. Yeah, two uh, days, but it was okay. walking. You know, <laughs> but and he didn't, and he wasn't in camp with the Raiders. Uh huh. You know, yeah. so yeah. a better player, 
you know, when they know what they're supposed to do and they're, and they're real good players, they're going to get it done. Yeah. But you are talking about Khalil Mack, a guy who is uh, somewhat superhuman as opposed to Demarcus Lawrence. <laughs> so, all right, let's get another couple of questions out of the way here. Uh, Creighton wants to know, why do we only dress 46 at, uh, on game days and not all 53? You know, I, I'm going to give you the obnoxious answer because that's what the fucking rule is. Yeah. Um, except I think you can check this. Last mm-hmm. year was 48. Okay. And I think it's still 48, but they might have gone back to 46, and 47 would be your third quarterback. Okay. But he can't play unless the other two guys are hurt. Uh, on game day, however, 48 players dress. That's what I thought. Yeah. It was 48 last year. And so, but it's part of it is because most teams got an injury and they're trying to keep the competitive competitive balance mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. much equal. Personally, I think, hey, what you know what? If you've got a guy hurt, you got a guy hurt. That's your problem. If you got 53 healthy, dress 53. Mm. You know, that, that's my feeling. That's not the league office feeling. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, – I'm not quite sure how the players' union looks at it. They probably would want as many players dressed as possible, right? It, does, it doesn't affect their um, paycheck. Okay. Um, let's see. What and else the we XFL, got? it affected the paycheck. Hmm. If you were active versus inactive. But this is the NFL, and so, you know, you're – you're on the active roster for a game, you're getting paid for that game. And we can, you know, let's repeat this one thing. Don't be shocked if they sign a veteran next week mm-hmm. or a lot of teams sign a veteran next week. Mm-hmm. Any veteran who's on the roster, meaning a vested veteran, four years of service in the league, he's on the roster Sunday, his pay is guaranteed for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And that can have huge, depending on what his pay is, that can have huge salary cap implications. Hmm. You sign a guy on Monday, next Monday, now his pay is week to week like the young guys. He doesn't have that guaranteed. You can he can have the same amount con- contractually, right? but if you cut him after four weeks, you're not paying him for the whole season. Interesting. So that's going to be some uh, clever movement there by Ryan Poles to uh, manage the salary cap. And that's a tool that he'll have with him. Um, Jeff wants to know, uh, outside of Justin Fields, who are you, Greg, keeping your eyes most closely on Sunday in regards to their development? Uh, I think the most important guy is, is right. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's got to start a tackle. And if he does as good as he did in college, we'll be fine. But, you know, if if he's got to go up against Gary a lot, there's going to be some times when he's going to get beat. And that's just because Gary's pretty damn good. Yeah, he is. Now, he Gary has missed all of the preseason, so we'll see if he's going to be 100% on Sunday. But, yes, uh, Gary really started to play like the player they expected when they drafted him so high in uh, 2021, I believe it was. And uh, so this is his 
fifth year, I think. Fifth year, okay. So yeah, so he is going because he is a free agent after this season. Gotcha. Unless they unless they extend him. That is right. Somebody that Bears might have any interest in uh, that. Nah, nah, he's going to ask for the moon in the sky. Is that, you know, let's we'll bring that up just for a minute because it's an interesting topic because every week we see a veteran that's in a contract dispute and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, oh, the Bears should trade for him. The Bears should trade for him. Mm-hmm. I cannot see – Ryan Poles has a plan. And if you really study it, it's pretty easy to figure out. He's mm-hmm. trying to build key positions through the draft and not have to overspend in free agency. Okay, so now, you know, you got Chris Jones and you got uh, Burns from North Carol- from Carolina that are, you know, pissing and moaning about their contracts. They want more money. So, oh, we got to trade for those guys. Well, number one, those teams aren't about to trade those guys. Mm-hmm. They're key players on those teams. But number two, let's say they were. What do you got to give up to get them? Okay, that number one you got from Carolina last year or for, as part of the trade down from, thing, that would go back to Carolina for Burns. And on top of that, you're going to have to give them about a $25 million contract Easily, and maybe yeah. more. And so when you think about it, and, and you throw in, well, there's Jalen Johnson, Chase Claypool, Mooney. You know, these guys all are coming out of contract, and you might want to extend them. And then starting next spring, you can re-up or you can extend Justin Fields. Why are you going to go out and spend $25.5 million on a veteran offensive lineman or defensive lineman when you can draft one. Now, granted, the other guy's going to help you more today than the draft choices, but from a salary cap management point of view, it's just so much smarter yep. to do that. You know, fill, draft those key positions. Mm-hmm. Draft and develop. And, and that's what we've seen from him when you look at the players he's drafted in his first two drafts. That's a perfect segue to this question from uh, Levante Rogers, who offered it uh, a half hour ago. He says, what are your thoughts on potential Bears 2024 first-round draft picks, defensive end Jared Verse from Florida State University, and Latu from UCLA? Well, Ver- Verse is a – I don't think he's a – it's too early to say he's a lock to be the first edge, but he's damn good. Mm-hmm. Um and even though he didn't have any sacks the other day against uh, LSU, he had what was originally thought to be a strip sack and ended up being called an incomplete pass. Um, but you could see his explosiveness coming off the edge. He's gotten bigger and stronger than he was a year ago. You know, he played his first couple of years at, at Albany State in Albany, New York, in an FCS level, and then he transferred over to uh, Florida State for the 22 season. Mm. Late two is an interesting thing. Now, he had three sacks. They said nine pressures. There ain't no way in hell he had nine pressures. I watched that game. Okay, so that, that's press box pressures. And I think if you, if you, if you can smell the uh, body odor from the quarterback, they probably gave him a, uh, 
a, a pressure in that game. He might have had four or five pressures, but he didn't have nine. But Leitu had a very, very, very serious injury. He started off at the University of Washington. Okay, he spent a couple of years there. He had a neck injury, required surgery. The doctors at Washington told him, you can't play football anymore. Hmm. You're done. So he leaves and he finds a school that's going to pass him. And he's from Southern California, or he might be from Sacramento, but which is Central Cal. But he, the people at UCLA, and UCLA's got good medical staff, there's no question, but they pass him. And he played last year, had 10 and a half sacks without any incident. And he played Saturday night against Coastal Carolina without incident. He does wear a special collar. Mm -hmm. Exactly what the surgery was, I don't know. But regardless, it's going to get down to this. He's going to go to the combine and the medical staff is going to make a determination. And there's going to be a group of teams that knowing what the injury was and what the surgery was, they're going to flunk them. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. Is it going to be the bears? I can't tell you that, but you know, I, I, I don't know that I know how the bears operate. And because that was an injury to a specific area, they will have a specialist look at it Mm -hmm. and, and give his opinion, maybe even two. And, you know, there'll be MRIs taken, but the important thing, if he gets through this season without incident, without injury to that area, that means he would have played two full seasons without any type of recurrence. And so that's a plus, and that is part of the equation. So, but to say that he is going to, be a locked top first rounder. I, I think it's, we're not going to know the answer to that till April yeah. or March because the medical is going to be so important with that guy. No question. Talent. He's a first round talent. He's really good. That's great information, Greg. Uh, Jeff also wanted to get your thoughts on Braylon Trice, the defensive end from Washington. Love him. I now, think he's I- a violent pass rusher. Now he had, a little bit of a quiet game Saturday. Yeah. I watched all these guys. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can see what he can do. But now I'm going to say this, because it, 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 it showed with, with Leitu, with Trice, with uh, Verse, they all got double teamed a lot. Yeah. Now, if you look at the, at, at the tape last year, and, and they all had a lot of success coming off the edge last year, yeah, you worry about them. They had to do something to make sure. I think Trice was was double just about every pass <coughs> pass uh, pass rush attempt he had, and almost the same with Verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so you know they're not going to be doubles. They will uh, sometimes, but they're you know that, and 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 they got to learn how to do it. But uh, he had two sacks last year, not this year. Mm-hmm. He did play a lot of in the two-point stance. He stood up a lot and dropped into coverage on a few plays. Who's so that you're talking about? Uh, 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 Braylon uh, Trice. Right. Well, he's listed as a linebacker. Okay. 
in their base scheme, he's a he's a linebacker, but you get him to sub, he's rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. But he's always rushing from a two-point stance. Leitu's always in a two-point stance. Most of the time, Verse is in a two-point stance, and so was Anderson last year at Alabama. Okay. It's good to know as I'll be watching those defensive ends closely. And then you got, you know, you got oh. Dallas Turner yeah. uh, from Alabama. To me, and, and Turner is, there's no question he's good. But last year, they had the best pass rusher in college football on the other side. So who was the opponent thinking about stopping? They're not thinking about Turner. They're thinking about stopping Anderson. Mm-hmm. And so Turner got a free pass, so to speak, in most of those games. Now, this year, he's got to prove I can do it when they're trying to stop me. And so, you know, to me, we got there's further evaluation to be done. I'm not as I like the Ohio State kids, but I'm not as high on them right now as some of the analysts are. Because mm-hmm. the one kid, and I can't say his name. Tui Peloto or something like that. Um, <laughs> Don't ask me to. <laughs> he had one big game. He dominated the Penn State game. Two sacks and interceptions, some pressures. He had one sack the rest of the year. Mm. Or one and a half sacks the rest of the year. So he's getting all those accolades on one game. Mm. He's got to do more than, than dominate one game to be in that upper echelon for me. A lot of talk uh, regarding Isaiah Bugs. Uh, Nomad wanted to get your take on it. Uh, Bugs, for those who don't know, defensive tackle for the Detroit Lions. He apparently uh, took down a lot of his Detroit Lions stuff off of social media. He's going to be a healthy scratch from uh, uh, tomorrow night's game. So there are problems with the relationship between coaching staff and Bugs. Now there's talk that he might be shipped out. Do you think the Bears would have any interest in a 335-pound interior defensive lineman? No, not a fit. And I don't, you know, I, I don't know the player that well, mm-hmm. but those are the type of guys you don't use in this scheme. Mm-hmm. Just because you want quick, athletic. Look, look at the two guys they drafted. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and and look at the numbers. You know when you when you um, look at Gervon Dexter, and so they were both sub five flat, three hundred pound guys who were mm-hmm. very very athletic. Okay, the big wide body. Two gapper can't play in this scheme, and they can be great players. Yeah, they they, they can be great players in the right scheme, but you got to have the you, you can't put the square peg in the round hole. Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. have guys that can get penetration and disrupt from the interior defensive line. All right. You know, again, this is Packer Week, the Bears-Packer rivalry. Um, One of the uh, stories that's been passed along from year to year, decade to decade, is that 
George Hallis actually bailed out the Green Bay Packers organization when they were facing some financial difficulties. Mr. Hallis said, you know, we need the, the Packers in the NFL. And so he dug into his pockets and provided some money so that they could continue to stay in the league. That isn't myth, Greg. What have you heard about that that story over your time, your, your years at Hallis? Have you heard anything at all about it? Nothing, nothing at all. Uh, is this the first time you're hearing about it? Yes, sir. Look at that. Look at that. I will uh, dig out some more information. Like George Washington. I cannot tell a lot. <laughs> well, that's one thing we, we can always count on you to be totally honest when you're up here. And you will tell us when you yeah. don't know something, you tell us. And I, I really appreciate that. But, yes, uh, George Hallis apparently said, you know, because the Packers were – guilty of default, uh, not paying salaries and so forth. And so Hallis made arrangements to provide some money so that they could stay in the National Football League. And not that kind of like the Naval Academy bailing out Notre Dame during World War II. <laughs> That's right. Seriously, they did. <laughs> oh, I didn't that, oh, that you know. That is what? I why, did hear that. That is why Notre Dame still plays Navy every year. That's Navy, right. Navy sent a lot of midshipmen or whatever they you know to notre dame for yeah. for school basically bailed out the school the school was really in in financial need at that right. time and, and could have closed the doors and if it wasn't for uh the help of the naval academy notre dame wouldn't be here yeah that's amazing that is amazing um one other thing that I wanted to mention that just escaped my mind uh, regarding Bears Packers rivalry week. Do you have a uh, were were there any talk when you were at Hallisaw doing Bear Packer week about playing dirty? And what, the reason I'm asking this question is is this way: I do believe that it would be advantageous for the Chicago Bears to send a message to Jordan Love saying, welcome to the rivalry. And then, you know, a subtle, uh, inconspicuous karate chop to the nuts or something like that. Early on to just send the message, this is going to be different than anything you've ever faced. That kind of intimidation tactic was something that that man back there, Dick Butkus, brought to the Chicago Bears and has been ingrained in me since I watched him play as a kid. What do you think about that kind of tactic to get into a, a young guy's head? In all honesty, I, I don't agree with it. I agree with good, clean football. Okay. And, you know, so if, if you got an opportunity to give the guy a cheap shot at the bottom of the pile, no, I'm not. You know, that's how, that's how he's making his living. I don't want to hurt anybody. Sure. And I don't want to get hurt. You know, and I was fortunate enough to play a long time in the game and not have any serious in-season injuries. Of course, I'm paying for it now. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, all the surgeries I've had later in life. But it it's um, it just – you can intimidate them just with physical play. Right. Within the rules. Right. You know, you want the game more? Hit them harder. It's Jaquan, real simple. Jaquan Brisker is very good at that. Yeah, I mean, he, he packs I mean, a lot. I was brought up that the our coaches, and, and really more than one team I played on, they told the, the offensive and defensive linemen, 
Look at if you blow your assignment on the first play, I don't give a shit. Just make sure you beat the shit out of the guy across from you. So mm-hmm. he knows what he's in for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Um, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction or anything like that. Uh, that's I already said I, Bears are going to win. I, I'm going to say 24-17. 24-17. Okay. So here's something that, uh, again, I heard on talk radio. Dave Wanstad said, you know, at a certain point in this game, you know, you need to throw away whatever you're working on in terms of the passing game. If it's necessary for Justin Fields to tuck the ball and run, run with the effing ball and score to win, do whatever it takes to win the game. Don't worry about, you know, if Fields throws for only 150 yards and Love throws for 300 yards. Don't worry about that. The final score is the big thing. You you agree with that approach? Yeah, and I heard that interview yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I do agree with it. But Justin knows that. If he sees a lane, he's going to go. And and that's actually, when you think about it, the Bears' biggest weapon because the defense has to be so cautious to contain him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because they are so cautious to contain him, hopefully it opens up other things so that he doesn't have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, expectations for Justin Fields in 2023. The Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer. Do you think uh, Fields will finally get there and beat Eric Kramer's uh, team record of, I think, uh, it's 3,800 yards passing? He might break the 38. I don't think he'll hit four. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not because he's not capable of doing it, it's the weather always screws you up when you get into from the middle of November to the end of the season. You don't know what the hell you're going to be playing in. If, if this is eight years from now and we're playing down the street from your house in a dome in Arlington Heights, different story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, by the way, I love this prediction by J2K Bears, 77 uh, Green Bay 2. I actually saw well, that. The- means Green- oh, he's got Green Bay minus 2. <laughs> how, how does Green Bay get minus two? He's a the Bears fan. <laughs> um, another expectation: Chase Claypool. What are realistic expectations for Chase? This is one of the more interesting players this season because there was the, the high uh, investment in him in terms of the second round pick, which was the thirty second pick overall in the draft. But that's usually a first round pick. Um, what are your expectations for Chase Claypool? I'm assuming and I feel that he's going to have a, a real good year. Is, is he going to lead the team in pass receptions? I doubt it. Mm. I think DJ does. Absolutely. You know, if he has 60, 65 receptions, he's had a hell of a year mm-hmm. and helped the team. Um, but you know, there's going to be games. <clears throat> Put it this way. He has a better shot of having a big game this week than he would other weeks only because, number one, he's an unknown commodity to Green Bay. Number two, they're going to be trying to stop more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that could free up Mooney and Chase Claypool. 
Now, what I think the Bears will do to counteract that some is in some situations, Mooney will be the Z receiver and Moore will be the slot and vice versa. So it's not locked that each one's going to be lining up in the same position all the time. Mm -hmm. That's going to be interesting. Robert Tanya, do you think he gets a revenge touchdown on his old team uh, week one? It's, I'm fascinated by him just because he had such a quiet preseason, you know, and he had that one drop. Um, I, I would not at all be surprised if he has a touchdown catch on Sunday. Well, I think he's going to be an important part of the passing game because he gives them something they really haven't had in a while. Mm-hmm. That real athletic move guy. He runs pretty good. Right. I mean, he's right. a guy I think the last two years he's had over 50 receptions playing in Green Bay. Yeah. I think uh, Cole had 60 catches or so last season. Do you think Tanyan's presence is going to eat into that reception total? It might. But I think, you know, they I, – I think they're trying to make commit a big part of this game. Put it this way. They got some weapons now. Mm-hmm. It's not like – Okay, take away DJ. Well, you got <clears throat> Komet, Tanyan, mm-hmm. Mooney, Claypool. You know, <clears throat> they got a good group. Do uh, for do you foresee uh, Jerry Alexander shadow DJ Moore? Um, Alexander, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. They want to shut him down. That's the best way to do it. Alexander is one but of I, the best. I've been seeing a bunch of clips on on X uh, this week where, you know, Moore's been in a uh, Carolina uniform beating him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Berlissimo says, uh, I'm interested to see when Getsy starts using balanced motion to unbalanced and motions to stack receivers. It's an easy way to find mismatches and get quick releases for his smaller receivers. Uh, you think Luke Getsy's a good offensive coordinator? You know, it's, it's a good question because I think his hands were tied a little bit last year because he didn't have the skill people that he'd like to have. And now he does. Yeah. And so you're going to see him. They didn't show much in preseason, but they specifically showed, and I think they did it on purpose. Mm -hmm. The screen game is a weapon. You better be ready for it. Whether it's a screen to a back in your conventional screen or a bubble screen to a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You are so right about that. You know, what's what's interesting is one of the things that uh, Luke has said a couple of times in press conferences during the preseason is that the relationship between him and uh, a quarterback Justin Fields has grown so much that they are now talking about the concepts of the play in such a fluent way. And I think that's almost like a dog whistle saying he really didn't understand the playbook 
playbook that that well last year now he's got a much better grasp of it he knows what we're trying to do and so that's going to open up more things that can happen in the play uh in the play calling and as you said the weapons are there this could be a very explosive bears offense you, well what, you, what you're really saying is is he understands the philosophy of mm-hmm. the play like last year he knew the plays X does this, Z does this, Y right. does this. Right. But could he dissect each play? Right. And say why X is doing this, Y is doing this, and Z is doing this. You know, and and get into the the fundamentals of the play and the philosophy of the play of what you're trying to do. And sometimes, you know, when you call, you know, most of most teams script their first 15 plays, and and I don't know if they stick – I don't think they stick to a, uh, a strict script Yeah. because of, of down and distance. You've got really probably 25 plays for 15 plays, mm-hmm. depending on, on down and distance situations. But sometimes you're calling some plays in that early part of the game to find out exactly what, how the, the other team is going to react to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that gives you an answer for later in the game. Setting them up. Yes. Uh, Pre-snap, post-snap, I've been hearing a lot about that, and I think that's one of the things that uh, uh, Justin is learning a lot more about because a lot of times you're reading the coverage as you're getting up to the line of scrimmage, and as soon as the ball is snapped, you're seeing uh, the defensive backfield running this way, running that way, running back, running forward, linebacker shifting, and so forth. Um, that's a big part of the learning curve, and that's one thing that I hope that Justin is going to master this and season. And that should not have anything to do with this being his second year in the system. It's his third year in the league. Mm-hmm. So it, it's you know, people are always throwing different things at you and adjusting their defense and – uh, giving you false looks, and you learn from it by experience. And then pretty soon you get, you know, you get like, much as I dislike Aaron Rodgers as a person, there's probably nobody better than coming up to the line of scrimmage and knowing exactly what you're going to do because he's seen everything. Yep, indeed. Greg, I think we've covered it all. Uh, we, You and I are planning on being back here next Monday at around 11 o'clock or so uh, to talk about the Bears win over the Green Bay Packers. If the Bears lose, we'll be here too, but I uh, don't expect that. Um, and uh, any final words for your followers and fans? No, I think um, yeah, if we're lucky, we'll be having two shows pretty soon, but you know, we'll, we'll, we're working on it. Yeah. It, it, it always helps if the Bears get off to a quick start, then all of a sudden sponsors are much more <laughs> eager to invest money. Yeah. Uh, so for Greg Gabriel, I'm Aldo Gandia. Make sure you check out uh, Mac and Reed at 6 p.m. Central and then Buffon 55 at 7.30 p.m. we got some surprises for you on that show. And then uh, if you're into hockey, Bardon Hockey Talk at 2 p.m. Central. That's our lineup for today. I'm Aldo Gandia, and that's Greg Gabriel. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. See ya.